Hello, everyone. Welcome to the Central Wired podcast, and thanks for listening in. Make sure to stay connected with us throughout the week at centralwired.com or on Facebook and Instagram. We hope this week's message meets you right where you're at. Enjoy. Hey, everybody glad you're here. I thank God for you. I am grateful that he's at work to your good. He is actively at work in your life. I mean, some of the evidences that he's brought you here this morning to hear his word, to experience his son Jesus collectively as his body, the the church. And I'm grateful to have you. If you're here for the first time, first time in a long time, we are honored to have you with us. If you're watching online, we love you guys and and are grateful that you're with us as well. Um, If you are here for the first time, you've caught us on the front end, very first weekend of a new teaching series called Battle Ready. And here's the Big deal about battle ready. Uh, Life is a battle, but a better life is worth fighting for. Better relationships, marriage, parenting, friendships, worth fighting for. A better place emotionally, mentally, um, financially, all worth fighting for. So here's where we're going to start. Hashtag, the struggle is real. Now you see that phrase pop up on social media. And it's sarcastic and humorous and kind of young people moaning and groaning about first world problems. But let me give you some ideas about this. If you have a hard time finding, (laughs) yeah, shoes that fit, you got to improvise. The struggle is real. And maybe you want to get in shape. You want to work out, get fit. (laughs) But the struggle is real. And, you know, sometimes you just got to have your bacon somehow, some way. (laughs) Even uh, this way, the struggle is real. And then you get some extra additives as you straighten your hair. Um, I got one more for you. In August, if it's hot and your air conditioner doesn't work in your car, yeah, the the struggle (laughs) is real. Um, Life... uh, is a struggle. And you got to be battle ready. Now, wouldn't it be great? Wouldn't it be awesome if you had somebody who always had your back? If you had someone when life is a struggle who would stand up for you, stand with you, be your strong advocate? What if you had someone who would always come to your strong defense? That's who I believe we have in Jesus. Here's the big idea about battle ready. All our struggles are distressed, dramatically diminished by the strength of our relationship with Jesus. The stronger we are in connection, relational connection with Jesus, the weaker our struggles. Everybody has struggles. We'll always have struggles. But they lose their power to overwhelm us. They lose their power uh, to bring us stress and worry and fear on the basis of how strong Jesus is in our lives. In fact, I've uh, brought a piece of body armor uh, with me. This is bulletproof uh, vest. And here's what I'm trying to illustrate from the Word of God. Scripture says, build up. Say, build up. Yeah, you got to build up. You got to discipline. 
you got to bring the work to it, and in the working and in the discipline, you start to get strong in your relationship with Jesus. Build up your strength in union. This is number one, in union with the Lord. He's not a religious figure that you might read about in the Bible. He's not someone from the past who was famous, a historical reality. No, he is a present reality, and he longs to be in real relationship with you. And when you build up that relationship and you receive his mighty power. If it's my power, I'm going to lose every time. If it's just down to willpower, I'm too weak. But when I have his power at work within me, you know what's going to happen? God is able to do immeasurably more than all we can ask or even imagine according to his power that's at work within us. So put on God's armor. And this will just illustrate uh, the spiritual armor that we put on. Notice how much better protected I am from harm wearing this bulletproof vest. Notice how my heart is protected. The, the men and women who serve and protect, they might recover from a, a shot to their arms, but their heart is protected. Why is it such a big deal when we talk about Jesus is your spiritual armor. He's the living word. This is his written word. This is your spiritual armor. Why is it so important to have this armor protecting your heart? Here's the deal. So that you will be able to stand firm against all the lies and deceits of, of the devil. Jesus said the devil. Now, this is why I believe in the devil. Jesus believed in the devil. Jesus taught about the devil. So I believe and I want to study. I want to know my enemy. And the devil, Jesus said he's a liar. He's the father of lies. Anything that comes out of his mouth is just a lie. If you don't know, before the beginning of history, Satan, the devil, tried to steal the throne of God. He led one-third of all the angels in heaven in open rebellion. He was arrogant. He was prideful. He was ambitious. He wanted to take the throne of God. And there's this massive fight in heaven, and it goes like this. God winks and blows Satan the heck out of there. Blows him down to the earth where he stays utterly enraged because he knows his time is short. All he wants to do is to attack your heart. So you got to wear the army of God. He wants to destroy your life. But if you wear the armor of God, he can't touch your heart. He wants to destroy your relationships. And so he will attack the very heart of your relationships. If you get, you know, your relationship with somebody, a neighbor, a coworker, a friend, a family member, they're not your enemy. Our struggle is not with other people. Check it out. Our struggle is not against flesh and blood enemies, other people, but against evil. Rulers and authorities in the unseen world, they are invisible. Their work is in our heart. It's subtle, it's deceitful, and it is self-destructive. We wrestle against, we struggle against mighty powers in this dark world and against evil spirits. Now, this devil talk may freak you out. 
It reminds me of the story of the little boy in Sunday school who was just misbehaving, causing dis- disruption and disorder in the class, and the teacher, man, she'd had it. She took that little boy by the shoulders and just shook him and said, young man, I think the devil has a hold of you. And he was like, I think you may be right. <laughs> and he was right because the devil has a hold on all of us in, to some degree and in different ways. The stronger our attachment to Jesus, the weaker Satan's attachment to us. The the stronger we keep our grip on our relationship with Jesus, Satan loses his grip on us. Now again, all this devil talk, it does not need to unsettle you at all. Why? Because here's the best news I'll ever tell you. If you've surrendered your life to Jesus, if you believe he died on the cross and rose from the dead for your sins, you belong to God. That's who you belong to. It's not just that you're God's and Jesus comes to your defense and Jesus is your strongest advocate and Jesus always has your back and Jesus battles and struggles for you so you don't even have to fight. You belong to God. You are his. Check this out. You've already won the victory. On the basis, you see, we don't struggle to have a winning marriage. We don't struggle to have winning finances. We don't struggle to get to a better place emotionally or mentally. Because Jesus has already won. We don't fight for victory. We fight from his victory. When he died on the cross and rose from the dead, we already have won the victory because the spirit, Jesus, who lives in you is greater than the spirit, evil, that's in the world. That's why we want to always diligently, consistently, intentionally wear Jesus, the armor of God, because then he protects our hearts against all the wiles of the evil one. I I want to explain how all this works by uh, taking you into another desperate housewife's story. No, 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 not those guys. You guys are going to get me in trouble. Um, Last week, I was telling our people, I said, I promised to tell them two desperate housewives encounters with Jesus, and I only told one. And So this real um, angry mob grabbed me after church. It was my mom. What's the other story? Um, Before I tell you the story, let me give you the truth that got burned across this desperate housewife's heart. Here it is. The truth of Jesus. This is truth. His word. It's alive. It's active. It's at work to our good. When we have it as our body armor, our armor of God, the truth of Jesus defeats every lie that Satan can speak to us. It defeats all the lies of Satan. So here's the story. It begins way, way, way early in the morning at dawn. I mean, the sun's just cresting the Mount of Olives. And Jesus is booking down the Kidron Valley and up toward the temple. And once he enters the temple, oh my gosh, people just gather around him. As Jesus came to the temple, all the people gathered around him. And he sat down, as was the habit of teachers in that day, and he began to share with them the truth of God so they could wear their spiritual armor. Now, the desperate housewife in this story was not in that gathering, hanging on Jesus' every word and wearing the armor of God. As a result, her heart was unprotected. 
I don't know if she's having troubles at home. I don't know if her marriage was painful. I don't think she planned to spend the night. Maybe it was just to um, be engaged in this affair. I mean, she is in bed with another woman's husband. And, um, and evidently after their lovemaking, she falls asleep in his arms. All she knows is that she is startled awake that morning when somebody, bam, kicks in the door of the bedroom. It flies open. Men charge into the room. They charge her. She screams. She pulls the, the bed sheet around her to cover her nakedness. Strong hands grab her arms and rip her out of that bed and carry her along a tidal wave of, of human anger and disgust and arrogancy. These guys are religious fanatics. And in their, in their angry tumult, they just carry her along. Her feet are barely touching the ground. They carry her along until they're in the temple, until they're in front of Jesus. The crowd parts that they can get this woman just trying to clutch the bed sheet around her, hide her nakedness. And I think when they let go of her, I think she collapses. But they yank her back to her feet in front of Jesus. It's a public shaming. It's public humiliation. And they said, this woman... This woman has been caught in the act of adultery. Now, they're just using her. They don't give a rip about this woman. They don't really even give a rip about what she's done. They want to kill her, but they only want to kill her so they can get to Jesus and kill him. They're accusing her so they can accuse him. Now, my, my heart goes out to her to be real because I can't imagine enduring that kind of humiliation, that kind of sh public shame. She, she did sin, just as I have sinned, and wouldn't want mine put on open display as hers was. But where's the man? Really, where's the guy? Why isn't he hauled in front of Jesus? I think it's a sick setup. They were just using this woman as a pawn in their deadly game of trying to have Jesus condemned and executed. So the guy, I think he's paid off. I think he takes the money and runs. They drag her out. He gets the heck out of Dodge. But that man has sinned. And, the, you know, she's not wearing the armor of God. And as a result, her heart is open to be seduced by Satan. Her, the best of her emotions are going in the wrong direction. She's trying to find comfort in the wrong place and the wrong person, and that's sin. Sin is when we try to find comfort and take comfort in someone or something other than God. The man, he's not, wearing, um, he's not wearing the armor of God. He's not wearing a relationship with Jesus. He wants the money. He cares more about the money than her life. And these religious fanatics, these holier-than-thous, these religious elitists, these snobs, these, these holier-than-thous, they're not wearing the armor of God. They don't have, don't want a relationship with Jesus. As a result, 
Their hearts are subject to all the lies of Satan. And all they want to do is their hearts have become murderous. They want Jesus dead. And they don't care if this woman is a part of the cost along the way. And what happened to that woman has happened to me. What happened to that man has happened to you. Those religious leaders, they can be like all kinds of people that go to church. It's sin when we accuse, judge, and condemn other people. It's simply Satan wielding us to his glory. This is why we gotta put on God's armor so we will be able to stand firm against the lies and look at deceitful schemes. Satan is always scheming 24-7 to take you down, to destroy what's most precious in your life, to destroy you. Deceitful schemes of the devil. And one of his schemes is simply night and day to accuse you. These guys are accusing her. They like slip up beside Jesus, patting him on the back, trying to suck up to him, and they're just looking for a place to stick the knife. But they're bringing an accusation. If you lie, and you do, on average we each lie once a day, that's just Satan speaking through us. He is the father of lies. When we accuse other people, a neighbor, a coworker, or a family member, a friend, when we bring accusation, Satan is just speaking through us and thinking through us, feeling through us, because he is the great accuser. Scripture says in the book of Revelation, Satan is the accuser of our brothers and sisters. He accuses them before our God night and day. Night and day, he points his crooked, wicked finger at you and tells God all your sin. Night and day, he points his crooked, wicked finger finger at me and tells God all my sin. And he doesn't have to lie about David Clark. David Clark is a sinner. All he's got is Satan. All he's got to do is tell God the truth about me. Thank God. Through my relationship with Jesus, we're in this spiritual honor. When Satan points his finger and accuses me of sin, Jesus lifts his hands and shows his nail scars by which his shed blood covered all my sin and all your sin and the sin of all those who believe. I'm glad I've got a Jesus who will come to my defense. I'm glad I've got a Jesus who is my strong advocate. Let's all be glad that we have a Jesus who's got our back, will come to our defense, and will fight our battles for us. (laughs) Satan lies. When we lie, we're just speaking his language. Satan accuses. When we accuse, we're just doing his kind of talking. But Satan also lays traps. He trapped that woman who was without the armor of God. He trapped that man. He was trapping these religious leaders. In fact, the apostle Paul wrote to his son of the faith, Timothy, he wrote this. You know, we can learn the truth. We can do this. We can experience the truth We can absorb the truth into our thinking and our hearts. It becomes like a a sure defense against the lies of the evil one. We can learn the truth, and and then we'll come to our senses. I know there have been times in my life when I stripped myself of the armor of God, set aside in my thinking his word because I know I did things that hurt people hurt longer than I thought they would, hurt more deeply than I thought they would. And there was a moment in that time when I was like, oh my gosh, what was I 
thinking. And you've been there. You've done dark things. You've said hurtful words. And when that moment of anger passes or that moment of bitterness subsides, you go, what was I thinking? You know what? What I found in my life, when I wear the armor of God, I can come to my senses before I say the hurtful words. Before I do the sin, I can come to my senses. He gives me his loving kindness that changes my mind, that causes me to humble myself and turn from the direction I was going and keep going in the direction of my loving Jesus and my powerful God. And so these uh, religious fanatics, they're all up in Jesus' face, you know, acting like they're nice but saying, hey, I know you're a religious rabbi guy. Check this out. The, the law of Moses says, commands that we should stone such women. As soon as that word comes out of the, their mouths, this woman, she just is like, oh, my gosh. But you know what? I'd almost prefer death now at this moment to this public shame and humiliation. If that's the dirty work you're going to do, let's just get away from this humiliation. Go ahead. Kill me. I don't even know if I can live with what I've done. I've wrecked my marriage. I've wrecked somebody else's marriage. I've ruined my life. If that's what you're going to do, because she's seen it happen to other people. She's seen these religious Fanatics grab people, bind their hands behind their backs, drag them off to the edge of a ledge, force them down to their knees, kick them off the ledge. They fall flat on their back, snap their head against the ground. And then one guy, he's got a huge rock. I mean, everybody's holding rocks. But one guy's got a huge rock. He's the most offended by the sin. And he takes that huge rock and he tries to give a crushing blow to the victim's head or the the victim's chest. And if that doesn't kill him, the other guys start firing their rocks until the victim is dead. She's like, if that's where this is going and there ain't no stopping it, let's just get away from this humiliation and get on with that. And the guys, these religious guys, they just keep badgering Jesus. They're like, so what do you say? And they were using this question as a trap, just like Satan traps. That's how you know. That's how you know. If you lie, you know that you are being used by Satan. If you accuse others, you know that you're being wielded. If you're setting traps for other people, question was a trap, hoping to have a basis for accusing, condemning, and executing Jesus. Um, Here's something I want you to know. Oop. When you wear a relationship with Jesus like it's your second skin, you get from him everything that is him. First on the list, you get his wisdom. That's what happens. Jesus is the only one in this picture who's wearing the armor of God. He's got the wisdom of God. And with the wisdom of God, here's what happens. He goes down on one one knee. And he begins to write with his finger in the dirt. Interestingly enough, wasn't it the finger of God that wrote the Ten Commandments on stone tablets? Jesus takes his finger and begins to write, I think, the names of each of these men standing, seething, angry before him. Oh, I know you, dude, writes his name. I know you, writes his name. Uh, Would you step out of the way a second? Oh, yeah, I know that guy, writes his name. 
Maybe he writes my name, Dave Clark. Maybe he writes your name. And Jesus stands up and looks at these guys, and man, they got their big rocks, they got their other rocks, and Jesus is like, okay, if any of you is without sin, let him be the first to stone this woman. Now, I'm not talking recreationally either. Okay, I'm glad there's not very much laughter. That means you guys don't know about recreational stoning. Um, and then, having said that, that question just kind of hangs there in the air. I mean, they look at the rocks. They look at each other. Jesus goes back down on his knee. And with his finger again, by each name, he writes the specific sin, shameful sin of each man. Man after man, name after name, sin after sin. David Clark writes my shameful sin. Your name writes your shameful sin. And the guy's watching. What's he doing? Oh, my gosh, there's my name. There's your name. Ah! He's reading my mail, my email, my text. And there's your sin. And then Jesus, in my imagination... takes both hands and wipes away every sin and wipes away every name. And oh my gosh, when I see him erasing my name and see him erasing my sin, I mean, how do you feel knowing that your Jesus has erased every sin, that you are seen as perfect before God the Father, that you are seen as holy and you are seen as righteous by the work of Christ on the cross and his victory over the grave? All your sins, it's just as if you've never sinned. That's the reality when you wear the armor of God with a heart protected by his truth, his power, and his love. And I think he's hoping that maybe these guys, when they see their names erased and see their sins erased, that maybe they'll fall on their knees and begin to worship him as Lord. Because you, you, you see... When you wear the armor of God, you extend God's mercy and forgiveness and grace to those who are in desperate need. That's what Jesus is doing. These guys aren't showing uh, this woman mercy, grace, and forgiveness. And the, Jesus was kind to them. He, he, he did kind of secretly. He didn't publicly shame them. He just wrote it down in the dirt. For them to see what they had, they had publicly shamed this woman, accused her, condemned her, wanted her dead. Finally, they dropped the rocks, chunk, and they walk away from Jesus. Walk away from the armor of God, walk away from the truth of God. Jesus is the only one wearing the armor of God, and as a result, he extends mercy. You know what mercy is? Mercy is God protecting you. Mercy is God protecting your heart from bad stuff you deserve for bad stuff that you've done. But instead of getting the consequence you deserve, you get the mercy of God. All sins forgiven. You get his grace. You know what grace is? That's God giving you good gifts you don't deserve. It's not just that he protects you. He just lavishes you with blessing 
and favor, joy and peace and hope. So now Jesus is back on his feet. A circle empty of religious leaders, just rocks strewn everywhere. And he says to the woman, Jesus asked the woman, where are your accusers? Didn't even one. I mean, if there was one, we might still have something to talk about. Didn't even one of them condemn you? No. Look what she calls Jesus. Lord. All of a sudden, something's gone off in her. Maybe he wrote her name. Maybe with that list of men, he writes her name and erases her name and erases the sin. And she's like, oh my gosh, only God can forgive sins. Only God can wipe it all away. And she calls Jesus Lord. That's evidence that she has slipped into the armor of, of God. And so Jesus says, neither then do I condemn you. I, I deserve condemnation for behaviors in my past. You deserve condemnation from behaviors in your past. This woman deserved condemnation. But Jesus, I, I'm not condemning you. Jesus knew what was coming. Jesus was going to a cross where he would carry all the condemnation. There is therefore now no condemnation for those who are in the body armor of Christ. Neither do I condemn you. In fact, when you wear this, when you wear the armor of God, you become a, a magnet of God's mercy. She puts it on and he shows her mercy. And the story's not over. And then uh, Jesus said to her, go now and leave your life of sin. And, and I, I think she did go. And I think she was anxious to, you know, get on something other than that bed sheet. Maybe she burned that bed sheet. I'm not, maybe she buried it. Just like people are buried in baptism. We're, I'm putting my past behind me. I'm burying my baggage. I'm getting away from from, from that stuff. You know, when you go to the airport and you're going to go on an airplane trip um, and you have some baggage, they charge you baggage fees. Well, we all pay baggage fees. I pay for mine, you pay for yours. But when you are buried with Christ in baptism, all that garbage is washed away. I praise God that we each are qualified to wear by Jesus the armor of God to protect our hearts. Thanks so much for joining us. Just a reminder to stay connected with us throughout the week at centralwire.com or on Facebook and Instagram. Thanks again for being with us and have a great week.